All right. Good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for coming. Really nice to see you, Betsy, Ruby, Stan and Gail. I should go Stan and Gail. <laughs> Give you your own entities there, Steve. I can't name everybody, but it's really lovely to see you. Thank you for joining us. It's a very special day for me. I am thrilled that we have IS and Tuzika here uh, from uh, Karuna Buddhist Vihara joining us and offering us her wisdom and her support along this path, especially in this time where we're isolated and yet still being able to gather as a community under the Buddhist teaching is so very valuable. I first met Aya, oh gosh, I'm not sure if you'll remember this Aya, but it was like 18 years ago and you and I and Lungprabhasana and Ajahn Amaro in the shrine room at Gary, and I was doing a little homework with them and, and you were there, you had lots of curly hair. <laughs> so it was just the four of us. It was really lovely uh, meeting you at that time and watching your journey over the years. So Aya's um, son uh, became a Buddhist monk in the Thai forest tradition. Um, I think that was in 1998. Is that correct? When your son became a... a <coughs> Yeah, I think he actually ordained in 99 in the beginning, but yes, that's, that's right. That brought Aya into contact uh, with her own spirituality, uh, and um, she went on to deepen her spirituality, uh, did a four-year divinity training, and graduated um, from that uh, many, a few, four years later, obviously. Um, and then, uh, but that contact with her son in the uh, Ajahn Chah tradition made her more and more inspired by the Dhamma's uh, Buddhist teachings. And she eventually realized a great um, deep yearning to become a Buddhist nun, of which then she did. And uh, we are very, very fortunate uh, to have her with us as a fully ordained bhikkhuni and uh, much supported by our teacher, Ajahn Pasano. And if you take a peek at her website, you'll see that uh, she's supported by Bhikkhu Bodhi, uh, helped her establish the monastery that she now is abbess of uh, Denick, California. So um, really want to encourage you to visit uh, her website, uh, the, the monastery, and um, you know, she offers many teachings from there. She's very grounded in the Pali Canon, which we'll hear about again today. And, um, you know, we can't, we can't thank you enough, Aya, for joining us today. So I'll just go ahead and turn it Thank you very much. It's really my pleasure. Um, it's very inspiring to see how the Portland Friends of the Dhamma um, also became established and have grown and it's um it's not uh common in the world for the the original teachings of the Buddha to be shared and um 
followed in the way that we see in in uh, groups like like PFOD. And so it's it's a it's a real honor and a pleasure to be here and share the practice together. So let let's start by doing the morning chanting. We'll bow to the Buddha, light the candles and and begin the day. To the Blessed One, the Lord, who fully attained perfect enlightenment. To the teaching which he expounded so well. And to the Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well. To these, the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha, we render with offerings our rightful homage. It is well for us that the Blessed One, having attained liberation, still had compassion for later generations. May these simple offerings be accepted for our long-lasting benefit and for the happiness it gives us. The Lord, the perfectly enlightened and Blessed One, I render homage to the Buddha, the Blessed One. The teachings so completely explained by him, I bow to the Dhamma. The Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well, I bow to the Sangha. Now let us pay preliminary homage to the Buddha, homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one, homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one, homage to the blessed, noble, and perfectly enlightened one. Now let us chant in praise of the Buddha, the Tathagata is the pure one, the perfectly enlightened one. He is impeccable in conduct and understanding. The accomplished one, the knower of the world. He trains perfectly those who wish to be trained. He is teacher of gods and humans. He is awake and holy. In this world with its gods, demons, and kind spirits, its seekers and sages, celestial and human beings, he has by deep insight revealed the truth. He has pointed out the Dhamma, beautiful in the beginning, beautiful in the middle, beautiful in the end. He has explained the spiritual life of complete purity in its essence and conventions, I chant my praise to the Blessed One. I bow my head to the Blessed One.
Now let us chant in praise of the Dhamma. The Dhamma is well expounded by the Blessed One, apparent here and now, timeless, encouraging investigation, leading inward, to be experienced individually by the wise. I chant my praise to this teaching. I bow my head to this truth. Now let us chant in praise of the Sangha. They are the Blessed One's disciples who have practiced well, who have practiced directly, who have practiced insightfully, those who practice with integrity. That is the four pairs, the eight kinds of noble beings. These are the Blessed One's disciples. Such ones are worthy of gifts worthy of hospitality, worthy of offering, worthy of respect. They give occasion for incomparable goodness to arise in the world. I chant my praise to this Sangha. I bow my head to this Sangha. Now let us chant our salutation to the triple gem and a passage to arouse urgency. The Buddha, absolutely pure, with ocean-like compassion, possessing the clear sight of wisdom, destroyer of worldly self-corruption, devotedly indeed that Buddha I revere, the teaching of the Lord like a lamp illuminating the path and its fruit, the deathless, that which is beyond the conditioned world, devotedly indeed that Dhamma I revere, the Sangha, the most fertile ground for cultivation, those who have realized peace, awakened after the accomplished one, noble and wise, all longing abandoned, Devotedly, indeed, that Sangha I revere. This salutation should be made to that which is worthy. Through the power of such good action, may all obstacles disappear. One who knows things as they are has come into this world, and he is an arahant, a perfectly awakened being purifying the way leading out of delusion, calming and directing to perfect peace, and leading to enlightenment. This way he has made known. Having heard the teaching, we know this. Birth is dukkha, aging is dukkha, and death is dukkha. Sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair are dukkha. Association with the disliked is dukkha. Separation from the liked is dukkha. Not attaining one's wishes is dukkha. In brief, the five focuses of identity are dukkha. These are as follows. Attachment to form. Attachment to feeling. Attachment to perception. Attachment to mental formations, attachment to sense consciousness, 
For the complete understanding of this, the Blessed One in his lifetime frequently instructed his disciples in just this way. In addition, he further instructed, form is impermanent, feeling is impermanent, perception is impermanent, mental formations are impermanent, sense consciousness is impermanent, form is not self, feeling is not self, perception is not self, mental formations are not self, Sense consciousness is not self. All conditions are transient. There is no self in the created or the uncreated. All of us are bound by birth, aging, and death, by sorrow, lamentation, pain, grief, and despair, bound by dukkha and obstructed by dukkha. Let us all aspire to complete freedom from suffering. The Blessed One, who long ago attained Parinibbana, is our refuge. So too are the Dhamma and the Sangha. Attentively we follow the pathway of that Blessed One. With all of our mindfulness and strength, may then the cultivation of this practice lead us to the end of every kind of suffering. So I think the next um, thing is probably the the precepts. I Sakula was someone. Yeah. Yeah. Ruby will be leading us in the precepts. <clears throat> Great. Now. Yeah. <laughs> yes, Can you hear me? <laughs> okay. Here we go. Thank you. <laughs> now. Mayam Aye Tisaranena Saha Pancha Silani Yachama Dutiampi Mayam Aye Tisaranena Saha Pancha Silani Yachama Tatiampi Mayam Aye Tisaranena Saha Pancha Silani Yachama Namo Tasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tasa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sama Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sambuddhasa Namo Tassa Bhagavato Arahato Sambuddhasa Buddhang Saranangachami 
Udang Saranang Gachami Damang Saranang Gachami Sanghang Saranang Gachami Sanghang Saranang Gachami Dutiyam Pi Budang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi Pudang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi Damang Saranang Gachami Dutiyampi Damang Saranang Gachami Tatiampi Bhutang Sarananga Chami Tatiampi Bhutang Sarananga Chami Tatiampi Damang Sarananga Chami Tatiampi Damang Sarananga Chami Gachami Tatiampi Sanghang Sarananga Chami Tatiampi Sangang Sarananga Chami Pisaranang Matatang Nititang Ama Aye Anatipata Veramani Sikapadang Samadiyami Anatipata Veramani Sikapadang Samadhyami. And would you also say the English part? Yeah. I undertake the precept to refrain from taking the life of any living creature. Adina dana veratmani sikapadang samadhyami. Adina dana veratmani sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from taking that which is not given. Kame sumi chachara veratmani sikapadang samadhyami. Kame sumi chachara veratmani sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from sexual misconduct. Musawada veramani sikapadang samadhyami. Musawada veramani sikapadang samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from lying. Uramerayama japamadatana veramani sikapadang samadhyami. Suramaraya majapamadatana. Veramani Sikapadang Samadhyami. I undertake the precept to refrain from consuming intoxicating drink and drugs which lead to carelessness. Imani Pancha Sikapadani Silena Sugatinyanti Silena Boka Sampada Silena Dibutinyanti Tasma Silamu Sodaye. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Bow, bow. 
Bell. What a beautiful way to start the day. It always makes me oh, happy. It brings a, a joy to my heart when, when people take the precepts and refuges. And, um, and we, we did the five today because I figure after this you might want to eat dinner. <laughs> but um, sometimes I accidentally give people eight and then <laughs> they seem to deal with it. <laughs> um, but this is a this is a beautiful start to the day, and so I'm sure you know that today we're going to talk about um, directing the mind and cooling the heart, and it's something that um, was so central to the Buddha's teaching. He was a very proactive practitioner himself and he encouraged that proactivity in his disciples that we um, actually apply methods to work with the mind that are quite um, quite varied he had so many so many different ways of approaching how the mind might be working at the time and so we're going to really look at that today and we'll start out with meditation now so find a comfortable position as you could see i was making my best effort to find a comfortable position (laughs) um here on my on my mat by the way, we are at um, the Karuna Buddhist Vihara Hermitage, not our not our um, big beautiful shrine that we've had in the um, in the city, but we intend to reestablish a, a city meditation center where we'll have the, the the glorious shrine. But this one is so lovely today with the flowers that are offered by Pithod and and um, the forest. Uh, is all around us here, which is beautiful. And wherever you are, of course, the important part of the environment is what's inside, in your mind. So we can start by just bringing our attention to our breathing and our posture. with a straight spine, regardless of which of the four postures, sitting, standing, walking, or lying down, that we are assuming we can make the spine relatively straight. And that allows the energy to move freely up and down that main that main passageway, that main corridor of the body and the energy in the body is is actually quite integral to our meditation now when the Thai forest monastics talk about breath energy they're really talking about chi they're really talking about uh, the energy that 
that flows through the body and actually is part of what um, happens when we experience PT and sukha, the, the joy of meditation, the spiritual pleasure. That the Buddha was so, so adamant, really, about encouraging us to cultivate so that we can move into deeper states of peace and tranquility. So we straighten the spine, but we don't want to be stiff or have to work hard to keep it upright. So we find a balance, a way of positioning ourselves so that the spine is balanced. I often think of it as like a stack of coins, balanced in a way that we don't have to work to keep it upright. And as I'm sure you've often heard this image of a string coming from the top of the head, and stretching us out a little bit. But again, we want to also be relaxed. And at this point, or even before we get this far, it can be really helpful to set an intention for this particular sit or whatever position you have for this particular meditation period. And I think it's best when the intention is not something to gain, not not like, okay, I'm going to sit here until... I'm enlightened <laughs> or um, something in particular happens, but that we're firmly committing to staying with our medication object, that we're intending to really allow ourselves to let go and also some aspect of how this intention is to benefit others. So for our own well-being and the well-being of those around us, or for our benefit and for the benefit of the world. Because our practice isn't limited to us and the cooling of our hearts brings more cooling to the world. Or maybe we can see it more easily by recognizing that we're not adding to the heat if our heart is cool. So just taking a moment at the beginning to set an intention that's kind, that's loving, that's 
doable. And settling in. Putting our attention on our breathing. Mindfulness of in and out breathing is my standard practice and most of the time when I teach meditation that's where I put the focus. But of course the Buddha gave a variety of meditation subjects which have great benefits and particularly addressing various kinds of heat that come to the heart. And we'll talk more about that later. But for now, noticing the breath and establishing mindfulness. And as we're breathing in and we're aware that we're breathing in and we're breathing out, aware that we're breathing out, we can also be aware of the whole body. And we might notice areas of tightness And we can breathe into that area. Or if that way of thinking doesn't make sense, just giving some kind attention to that particular muscle or particular area and invite it to relax. might be tension around the eyes or the jaw, the shoulders, the belly, or any other area. And we might benefit from bringing our attention to that area during a few breaths in order to really let it go. might be helpful to imagine as you breathe in that you're breathing in this pure air, fresh energy, that that breath energy is coming into the body and then spreading through the whole body. And then as you breathe out, You're letting go, relaxing a little bit more.
So we want to be relaxed and alert. So relaxing doesn't mean that we become dull or or sort of slow or stilled in the mind in that way. But that we're bright and alert and relaxed. Present. Interested. And we want to stay present with every in-breath and every out-breath. And not miss any. But if we do, if the mind drifts away, then immediately coming back. Oh, I missed that in-breath. But here I'm, I'm here again now for this out-breath. Always being kind the mind, not critical, accusing. (coughs) Just helping the mind, guiding it. whether we're very skilled and have practiced for a long time or we're new to meditation, we can always learn from this breath and this body. The Buddha said that everything that we need to know we can learn right here in this body. When the Buddha taught mindfulness of in and out breathing, he used the first four instructions to be focused on the body, just as we are doing now. And then he moved on to feeling, which also is presented through the body. So 
as we breathe in and we're aware, this is an in-breath. And as we breathe out and we're aware, this is an out-breath. We also tune in to whatever feelings, sensations are arising in the body. In particular, the Buddha said to put our attention on PT. Pleasant experience, pleasant feeling, joy, or maybe it comes as relief as we allow the body to relax and let go. And we're free from distraction. mindful and present. And while we use these instructions, our awareness of our in-breath and out-breath might take a background position. We're still aware, but we don't have to be thinking in-breath out-breath, we feel it, feel the feeling of breathing in, and the feeling of breathing out, and whatever feelings of joy or pleasure that are arising because of our tuning in. And we might stay with this particular instruction for some time as we wish. Or we may move on to being aware of what's going through the mind. So first, the Buddha encourages us to bring tranquility to the body and then tranquility to the mind. And whenever he has us take a look at something, the first step is to just see the situation as it is. So what is it that's going through the mind? What mental activity are you experiencing now? And then invite that mental activity to calm down.
And as we stay with each in-breath and each out-breath, that serves as an anchor, as a grounding. as we allow the mind to settle. And the Buddha separates the activity of the mind from the state of the mind itself. Thoughts that go through the mind may be one thing and the mood of the mind something else. So the mind may be dull or constricted or it may be expansive and peaceful. There are many possibilities. But what is the state of the mind now? And again, at first, the Buddha just wants us to observe, take stock of the current situation. And then he encourages us to gladden the mind, lift it up. brighten bring happiness and ease to the mind So as we consider cooling, cooling the heart, we can remember that the Buddha's word chitta is translated as mind or heart. This is a way of cooling, relieving, encouraging peace and happiness. And still staying present with each in-breath and each out-breath. Allow the mind to settle more and more. Let go. Let go. Let go. 
within this mood or frame of happiness in the mind.
So as we're still present with every in-breath and out-breath as best we can, we want to monitor the state of the mind. And if it's becoming sluggish or sleepy, then we want to bring in more energy and brighten it up. Become curious. Curious about the breath, curious about any defilements that are lingering in the mind. Any causes for heat, restlessness, desire, aversion. And for whatever is arising in the mind, the Buddha had a medicine a way of being present with that condition and shifting it or releasing it so that the mind can become more free, more still, more cool. If there's some deeper, more pervasive background quality that inhibits that freedom and stillness, then we can bring attention to that. First noticing it with with kindness and compassion for the dukkha that's there. And then applying some remedy, sometimes working with the divine abidings, the Brahma Viharas can be helpful. Addressing fear, aversion, craving. Worry. We can work with anything that comes to the mind and find the the right antidote. And use the breath as a grounding throughout the process. Sometimes we don't need to directly address the problem. We can shift the mind to the reflection on Dhamma, looking at the nature of all conditioned things, using whatever is arising in the mind as the immediate source to understand its impermanence. the dukkha that comes with it and how it's not me or mine.
contemplating impermanence can help cool the heart. And the entanglement with whatever this quality is begins to relax. And we can calm the mind further by coming back again and again to the breath. And to an attitude, an attitude of kindness.
I hope that provided some cooling for the mind. And regardless of what happens in meditation, of course, it's um, observing it as the practice and learning how to work with every stage that comes. Later on today, we'll have time for a Q&A, so keep track of your questions. Um, really, this idea of directing the mind means that we need to develop or make use of the skills that we have developed uh, with regard to meditation practice and to um, you know, using the Buddha's teachings to address what, what comes through the mind, the heart, and it requires some creativity, I think, and some intrepidness, and um, I look forward to talking about all of this later, so keep track of your questions so we can talk later, and for now, however, um, I want to encourage you to maintain noble silence today, and to uh, use your time as as, um, beneficially for you as you can. Um, And sometimes that means going against our habits and uh, noticing what wants to pull us one direction or another and then applying some renunciation and seeing what that does to the mind. So um, our plan here is to take a bit of a break and do walking meditation until about 10.45, so a little less than 30 minutes, and then we'll come back and sit in silence before the meal. So I I, uh, wish you a very pleasant, happy walking meditation period or a continued sitting or whatever it is that is best for you with this attention to our, our mind and bringing it calm and cooling. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.